Our scripture can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, beginning with verse 24. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you ever have an idea that you wish you would have uh, written down or told someone about? Maybe this idea could have been a great success. It could have made you a lot of money. You swear that maybe your phone or Alexa is listening to you and telling all your good ideas. Maybe it's an app or an invention. And then only to find out a few days or months or years later that this idea that you've had, someone else has also had, and they've been able to turn this into a product, and they've monetized it, and it's become a success completely without you. I think we've all shared in these stories. My mom thinks that she was the one that thought of cup holders on strollers, on baby strollers. And uh, my wife uh, had this idea that uh, she wanted an app that could tell you every plant that you looked at if you just pointed your camera at it. This came out of a need and want while she was hiking to know what was around her. And also because when we planted our first garden, I kept asking, now which one of these can I pull and, and which one do we need to leave? She said, oh, if I just had an app. Well, now, quick Google search will let you know that there is such an app in the App Store. There's actually many. The App Store seems to be littered with them. And I still haven't bought one, so I'll continue to ask questions until she ponies up for the app. But Hannah loves gardening. This is her happy place. When we, when we uh, got engaged, she was actually living on a farm that had a big CSA. They grew so many vegetables, they sold them at the farmer's market. Gardening is where she finds her peace. It's her happy place. And so when she left that farm and we moved to Durham, uh, there was some stipulations. We had to have a, a, a house. We had to rent a house with a yard so that she could have a garden in the back. And so uh, we found an old house on Buchanan Street. There was enough room in the back. We built two big garden beds. And, and lucky for us, the, the previous tenants, they had had a garden there too. So they had left all of this compost, all of this rich soil. And so we built the new boxes, we put in the old dirt, we carefully placed our seeds and seedlings, we watered and we patiently waited. Now as the, the weeks went on and the months, we saw little sprouts come up, but I wasn't sure what were uh, weeds and what were the plants that we had. So not wanting to ruin all of Hannah's hard work, we just let them all grow. 
Soon there were flowers where we planted squash and uh, new volunteer tomatoes that had come from uh, tomato sandwiches long tossed into the compost. They were springing up in random places. Our peppers seemed to be doing fine, but covered beneath them was a, a, a carpet of mint. Two different varieties, yes, fragrant, but taking over every part of the garden, roots and leaves winding around, even though we never planted mint. And every morning, I would look out the window while I had my cup of coffee, and there would be these pretty purple flowers of the morning glories. You know, they weren't planted, but they were always a welcome sight. The fingerprints of the former gardener was intermingled with our well-placed seeds. The fingerprints were there in the soil. And this is where we find ourselves in today's scripture lesson. At this point in Matthew, uh, Jesus is sitting by the sea doing what he does, teaching. And, and this is where, in Matthew's gospel, we begin to hear the first about parables, Jesus' favorite uh, tool for, for teaching. First, uh, Jesus gives a parable that we all heard and all of our children heard at VBS, the parable of the sower, one that we love to talk about here. And then Jesus has to go on to explain, well, this is why I use parables until finally in chapter 13, Jesus moves on to his second parable of the, the gospel of Matthew. And that's where we are, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Now this parable starts out with uh, this phrase, Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is a phrase that should perk our ears up, should make us think. And Jesus isn't saying, you know, heaven is going to be exactly this way. What Jesus is trying to say is, uh, this is the way that God is acting in the world. Or when you see something that kind of looks like this, that kind of mirrors this, pay attention, open your eyes, because you might just catch a glimpse of what the kingdom will be like. And it was when I tried to do that when I was reading the scripture this week that I began to hear Rob's words from last week's sermon echoing in my head. Try to look at this parable with new eyes. Try to catch a glimpse of what's going on. Try to put yourself there on the edge of the sea with Jesus. Try to be surprised by the teaching, inspired by the words. Because all too often we begin to say, oh, well, here's a, another parable from Jesus. I kind of know how to break this one down, or I kind of know what Jesus is trying to get at. It becomes a little bit more of a profession rather than uh, something that we love. Because as I was going through all the scriptural interpretations for this passage, everyone was focused on different things. Some wanted to know what it meant Others wanted to know, did Jesus actually say this? Maybe the, the gospel writer put this in. There was a whole section of scholarship devoted to figuring out what weed this could possibly be in that region. They were like, well, maybe it's a cockle plant. Well, it's actually some form of a darnel because it'll grow up and look like wheat. They were all focused on these little tiny pieces. Other scholarship focused on who the parable was about. Was it the entire world and we had to figure out how to separate ourselves from each other. Maybe it was about the church, or maybe this was the writer of Matthew's gospel chastising the people in his own church who claimed Jesus as Lord but did not follow commandments. Everyone wanted to take hold of the scripture. I myself wanted to get a hold of the passage. I wanted to grasp the variables. I wanted to know who I was in the story. This need for control is normal. It's our very human nature. We want to be able to dissect the passage and figure out where we fit in. 
This anxiety can begin to weigh on us. I know you all feel this anxiety. I feel it every morning. You wake up, there's a little bit of dander in the air. You cough once or twice. Oh, am I, am I positive? Am I negative? Am I in? Am I out? Am I sheep? Am I goats? Am I wheat? Am I weeds? This anxiety of wanting to fit, to figure out who we are, to take hold of this parable is one that we're all too familiar with. I mean, even look at the farmhands in the parable. They want to take hold of the situation as well. They don't believe that the sower that their master has done right. They go to him and say, why would you sow seeds in a field full of weeds? Let let us go and, and clean it up for you. Let us go and fix this. We can clear the weeds out. We can make it look better. Let us do something. Let us earn what we're doing so it doesn't reflect poorly on our jobs. But the farmer says, no, we can't control any of this now. We're, the control's been taken out of our hands. Let's let everything in creation grow together. Let them all grow until harvest time, and then we'll figure it out. It's as if Jesus is using this parable to point out that the kingdom of heaven will not have humans discerning who is in and who is out. That people are not in control in this parable. That we do not get to determine our spot in the garden. We do not get to determine our spot in the kingdom. We do not get to determine our spot in the parable. That possibly humans are not capable of discerning the wheat or the weeds. That maybe only God, only the sower, will know when the harvest is. If we can take ourselves out of the parable and begin to read it in a way that isn't about control, it becomes far less anxiety-inducing. It becomes a parable of grace, of all things growing together, of coexistence. It allows for the possibility that maybe these weeds could be wheat after all. If we can release our control on the parable, if we can release our anxieties about who we are or who is in and who is out, we will have the ability to see with new eyes, with the eyes of an amateur. We'll be able to grow along with every other plant, with the eyes of iris, maybe. We won't worry whether we are wheat or weeds. Because what really is a weed anyway? I mean, in most agronomy textbooks, they'll define a weed weed as something that grows where you don't want it to grow, perhaps the mint in my garden. It assumes that weeds are unwanted, that they don't have any merit, that they should be immediately plucked from the ground, immediately removed. But as I was doing a little research on on different things and where they grow, I came across a funny quote. It was from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he says this. When asked, what is a weed? Emerson responded, A weed is a plant whose virtues have not yet been discovered. A weed is a plant whose virtues have not yet been discovered. You see, in in our country, a lot of things are considered uh, weeds because we like everything to look uh, the same. We like it to all be the same. We like our grass and our front yard to look the same with no dandelions. We want our roses to grow without little other plants distracting. We put mulch down. Uh, But plenty of things are, are weeds by our definition. Many grasses like crimson clover or spelt or buckwheat, things that we no longer eat. 
But one of the pioneers in American organic agriculture, it's this Mennonite man from Michigan named Klaus, Klaus Martens. He specializes in growing heirloom wheat without pesticides. But his favorite thing to talk about, to wax poetically about, are all of the grasses that grow in his fields before he plants. He walks through and points them out. Oh, that's foxtail, that's dandelion, that's chamomile, that's crouch grass. And for a farmer, he loves weeds. He says it's almost a paradox in a way. This is what he says about weeds. I love weeds because they're not doing damage to the pasture. The opposite, actually. They tell me where I'm doing the damage. Did you hear that? Klaus said, I love weeds because they're not damaging my pasture. They're doing the opposite. They tell me where I'm doing damage. And he goes on to explain that by looking at all of the different weeds, instead of just spraying them away or plucking them out, that you can actually tell what nutrients are in the soil. You know, some spring up where there needs to be more nitrogen. Some spring up when uh, the, the, the soil is fertile enough for other things to grow. They tell you what is lacking and what has too much. So sometimes looking at the weeds lets Klaus know where to plant or when to plant. The weeds kind of tell him where to sow the seed. The field hands in the parable didn't get that. They asked the farmer, why were you so careless in, in sowing your wheat? Surely it must have been an enemy that sowed that, uh, those seeds because no self-respecting farmer, no self-respecting farmer would have planted in a field full of weeds. It's as if they forgot who this sower was. It's as if they forgot who the farmer was. Enemy, my eye, I've heard about how this sower works before. I've, I've heard that story. I heard that he goes out into the fields and reaches deep down into his seed bag and he, he flings them out with a generous hand, laughing and whistling as he sows, looking at the whole of creation, at all the plants mingled together, seeing the crimson clover and knowing that the soil has a lot of nitrogen there and flinging some seeds that way seeing birds on the path and sprinkling some for them to eat, hoping that maybe they'll take some of that good wheat out to the world. Maybe he sees the beauty of a wild violet and showers them with some seeds like a congregation showering a newlywed couple with rice. You see, this sower, this, this uh, self-respecting farmer is more concerned with growth more concerned with the intermingling of plants, with the mutual flourishing of all things in the garden, no matter how we designate them, wheat or weeds. I want to leave you with a parable, a parable written by Barbara Brown Taylor. One afternoon in the middle of the growing season, a bunch of farmhands decided to surprise their boss and weed his favorite wheat field. Now, no sooner had they begun to work, however, that they began to argue, first about which of the wheat-looking things were weeds, and then about the rest of the things growing there. I mean, did the Queen Anne's lace pose a real threat to the wheat, or could it stay just as a little bit of decoration? What about the blackberries? I mean, they would be ripe in a week or two, but they were, after all, weeds, or were they? And the honeysuckle, it seemed a shame to pull up anything that smelled 
so sweet. About the time that they had gotten around to debating the purple asters, the boss showed up and ordered them out of his favorite field. Dejected, they did as they were told. And when they got back to the barn, the the farmer took their machetes away from them, but he poured them all a glass of lemonade and, and made them sit down, sit down and look, where they could watch the light as it moved across the field on that summer afternoon. At first, all they could see were the weeds. They could only see the weeds. What a messy field it was. What a discredit to them and their profession. But as the summer wore on, they marveled at the profusion of growth. Tall wheat was surrounded by tall goldenrod and ragweed and brown-eyed Susans, and the tares and the poison ivy flourished alongside Cherokee roses and milkweed. It was a mess, but it was a glorious mess. And when it had all bloomed and ripened and gone to seed, the reapers came. Carefully, gently, expertly, they gathered the wheat and they made the rest in the little bundles for the oven where the bread was baked. And the fire that the weeds made was excellent, and the flour that the wheat made was excellent. And when the harvest was over, the owner called them all together, the farmhands, the reapers, all the neighbors, everyone, all around. And he broke bread with them, bread that was the final distillation of that whole messy gorgeous, mixed-up field, and they all agreed that it was like no bread any of them had ever tasted before, and that it was very, very good. Let those who have ears to hear listen. Listen. 